0: Happy Father's Day. It's funny because it's different when it's Father's Day and and Mother's Day. Like, I would have had to start with Happy Mother's Day or tomatoes would have been thrown up here. With fathers, it's always a a little different, but we appreciate the fathers, amen? Amen. In in light of that, we're going to break from the series that we've been on for the last couple of weeks. We'll return to it next week, but the title of today's sermon is Keep the Standard. It's funny because when it's women and Mother's Day, we celebrate them and you're seen when it's guys and fathers is like, okay, get back in line. (laughs) So the sermon is called keep the standard. So obviously it's get back in line. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 35, and we're going to be reading out of the ESV this morning. But when we think about a standard, everything has a standard when when we are defining standards we're talking about a level of quality or something that we want to obtain something set up by an authority or by a gen, uh, general gen, general consent that is uh, 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 the rule or the measuring stick that we use and that could be from anything from morals and ethics and habits to standards that we have in a company, but um, it is very important that we recognize there is a standard. God has a standard. We just don't get to act any way we want and do anything we want. God has a standard, and God's standard is holiness. We're not speaking of legalism or moralism. No, God's standard for his people is holiness. The word of God tells us that in many places. In 2 Corinthians 7, it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Leviticus 20, 26 says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. We just sang about that. And I have separated you from the peoples. That's what holiness means, to be separated in a category of itself, that you should be mine. In Romans six twenty two, it tells us, But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness." Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Again, we're in Genesis chapter 35, and we're going to read the first seven verses. And it reads this way. God said to Jacob, arise, go to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us rise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answered me in my day of distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terabith tree that was near Shechem. And and as they journeyed, a terror fell. A terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them. So they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz. That is, in, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him, and there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for course correction, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you will wake us up out of our slumber often and have us analyze where are we, what are we doing, and we can reflect on past events, sometimes having to to go back to where we first started, the place where you met us, Lord. So we pray this day, Lord, as we consider this story uh, that took place and how it may even be partly our story, that you would always bring about course correction. We thank you for your long-suffering and patience with us. We thank you that you are the God of second chances, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would give us our nourishment that we desperately need this day. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. In 1867, an inaugural address at the University of St. Andrews, a man named John Stuart Mills stated this, Let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. He is not a good man who without a protest allows wrong to be committed in his name and with the means which he helped supply. Because he will not not trouble himself to use his mind on the subject. If this can be said of those who refuse to get involved in issues that affect society Then, what can be said of those that have been charged with managing their households. Doing nothing is a problem. Sometimes we need to start again. Sometimes we need to take stock and consider where am I presently? The question is, where's the standard? We we have a standard to follow. The first institution that God put into place was the family. Just consider the, the way God set up for humanity to operate. When in Genesis 2, the Lord God took the man, he placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And then the Lord God commanded the man, you, shall, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So, so God placed man in an environment. And then he gave the man marching orders. This is what you're to do, Tend the garden. And then he gave the man freedoms and he gave the man limits. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave man a family. That is why when the law was violated, God didn't go to the woman. God went to the man, the one he gave the instruction to. Adam, what have you done He was the one the responsibility was placed on. God placed order in the home. God placed order in the home. Who are we to reorder it? it leads to one thing. It leads to dysfunction. God is all wise. And when he sets an order, it's to be carried out. And whenever we think we can break from that order, you've created a problem. When the family breaks down, All is lost. The fallout will be tremendous, and society is headed for doom. If that's true, then what's the most important business? It's not money. It's not these things that we're chasing. It's not your career. It's the care of your home. We cannot allow schools and their agendas to take over our homes. We we cannot allow social media to have more influence in our homes than we do. We we can't. It, It started with the radio, right? Like, you had your home, And everything else was external. But then there were voices inside of your home. It started with the radio. And then it went to the TV. And now it's the internet. And everybody has a phone. When we were the youth ministers, we cautioned parents, wait as long as you can before you give your kid a phone. You're giving them all the information in the world. I don't give my six-year-old the car keys. It would be destructive. Giving them all the information in the world and telling them to obey the rules is ludicrous. We cannot allow that. This is the thing. You you are affected by all of these things yourself. But I don't have to affect you. Maybe you're resistant. Maybe you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You watch your eyes and your ear gate as you should. Fine, I'll wait you out. You're old, you're gonna die. I'll get to your kids. And then I'll get to your kids' kids. And everything is going to go in a certain direction. We cannot stay silent. We cannot allow the floodgates of information to just invade our home and we be silent. One of the biggest problems is we want to have a certain type of relationship and we'll forego our position and our responsibility to have it. I've told my kids many a day, I'm not your friend, I'm your father. Oh, I'll be friendly with you. But as soon as it comes down to you thinking that I'm going to stop being your father to be your friend, you got another thing coming. Wow. The breakdown of the family affects society. But your breakdown of your family Affects you. It affects your legacy. It affects your everyday life. So, because that's true, we have to determine I'm not going to let that happen. Obviously, There are people here in every single phase of life, people who are about to have a kid, people that ain't thinking about having a kid, people that have grown kids, people that have grandkids, people that have great grandkids. So you may think to yourself, I've already blown it. Like, I've already messed up. Well, we all mess up, that's for sure. You can't go back to yesterday. So now we think about what can I do now? We have to live every single day to the fullest. We should be approaching our days as if it's a wet towel that we are wringing out looking to get every single drop of water out of it daily. We have to live in today. So even if we've messed up, which all of us have to varying degrees, we have to say today is the day. I messed up does not mean that I vacate my Position. So, so what happens is, whether it be external pressures, maybe even a wife, whether it be internal thoughts, wh- I'm a hypocrite, what can I tell them when I've done all of these things? whether it be the societal pressures, whether it be situational, I'm divorced. My kids don't speak to me. We are in two different places. I don't even have communication with them. There's still something that you can do. It it, it starts with, I have to, at minimum, pray for them. Pastor Angelo used to say all the time, prayer goes where we can't. Prayer is real, and it works. And if you're not praying, what you're saying by default is, God either can't hear, doesn't care to hear, or can't do anything about my situation. That's what you're saying. You may not be consciously saying that, but you're saying there's no value in it if you're not doing it. We see in this situation where if you know anything about Jacob, he was full of failures. But he came to this crisis day where he recognized, I'm not where I need to be. And that was different from one day, the prodigal waking up, saying, what am I doing here with these pigs? The difference is, the prodigal was there alone. Other people were affected by it in the way that, I love my son. I love my brother. What's going on in his life? But for Jacob, and for fathers, and for parents, what happens often is, if we're in the pigsty, we've drug everyone else right along with us. That's where Jacob finds himself here. There was an awful drift. That's the way it happens, right? It's not... I've just made this decision to not care anymore. What happens is one little compromise leads to another, the falling away from the things that I should do, and we started out over there, and we end up way back there. That's what took place. And Jacob had to retrace some of his steps he he had to go back to the event where he was a fugitive where he had to run from his brother because he was running for his life so in part he may have felt guilty about what he was doing but the other part was just self-preservation and on his way fleeing God met him there God is so good in him meeting us in these times. And when Jacob was fleeing, he comes to this place and he lays his head down and he has this dream and he sees this ladder of angels ascending and descending on this ladder and, and God standing at the top of the ladder And God says to him, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed behold i am with you and i will keep you wherever you go and i will bring you back to this land for i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised you then jacob awoke from his sleep and said surely the lord is in this place and i did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put his head under and set up a pillar and poured oil over top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. This stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's home, and all that you give me I will give a full tenth to you." God met him when he was running, and he made a vow to God, and God saw his part of the deal through as he always does. But Jacob, like us, got busy with life. He got busy with business, He got busy with wives, got busy with children. And then he leaves to set up his own situation. And even if you remember that story as he was leaving Laban's house, uh, looking to escape, not knowing how Laban was going to uh, respond to him leaving with his family and with the goods that he had earned, His wife, favorite wife, yeah a couple, stole the household gods from her dad. So if you just kind of think about that for a minute where we just read in the text where he said get up we're going to Bethel. Give me your household gods. Clean yourself. Change your clothes. That means that this was a part of their family life, having these other idols. We often are guilty of the same thing. Might not look like a little wooden doll or whatever it was, but allowing idols in our homes. While we've forgotten our valve and what's important, and when God met us when we were on the run. He was prosperous because God prospered him. And it was times when he would say that, even to Laban, the reason why you're prospering is because I'm here and God is blessing me. So often, we will allow the very blessings that we have To cloud who God is and allow idols to come in and take over and this is where he finds himself but then hear his appeal it's a big thing to at a certain point recognize I need cost correction not only for myself Before my whole family. And it starts subtle. Before I was here, the last church that I was in, I wanted to leave that church for a while, and God hadn't given me freedom to leave. So instead of me leaving, I stayed there begrudgingly and started picking up an attitude about church, about the pastor, about the people. Guess what it affected? That church is doing fine. It it affected my home life. It affected my holiness. It affected my sanctification. And I started to let things slip. And one day, I woke up and said, we're going in the wrong direction. Family meeting, guys. What you did yesterday, you can't do today. Dad, that's bogus. That's what it is. I need to apologize to you guys because I let these things slip. But today, we're turning this thing around. It, it, It takes a level of boldness because, you know, people walking around with attitudes for a while. But I'm your father, not your friend. And I have a job that I'm required to do, and it comes along with responsibility. And if I have to stand alone, and even if my wife doesn't agree with me, um, this is what I'm called to do as the person that has been called to lead. And doing something of this nature, before we even get to that point, what would we have to do? We'd have to take inventory. We'd have to be real with our situation and recognize our spiritual condition, our moral condition, and say, no, 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 change must take place, and it's going to start with prayer. Is going to start with being real about your current situations. I talk to people, and something could be so evident, and I'm like, are they that blind, or are they really lying to themselves where they refuse to accept what's right before their eyes? That's why prayer is important. Deacon Frankie preached a message in. I don't remember the title of it, but it was talking about the difference between blindness and blind spots, right? Blindness is the lost, but believers can certainly have blind spots. We have to start with prayer, personal prayer, and then it has to go to family prayer. Do you pray with your family? Do you gather and pray? And it goes back to prayer is real. Speaking to God is real. So if the most important business of your life is your home, you already know you're ill-equipped. You already know you mess up all the time. We petition God. We go to God. And and we lead not because our track record is pristine. We lead because we've been called to that that position. See, because as soon as you say, I'm ill-equipped to lead because of so-and-so and X, Y, Z, what do you think the other people in your household are going to do? They're going to capitalize on that. You can't tell me, Jack. (laughs) One is leaders make mistakes. Moms and dads make mistakes. So when we are transparent of there must be a course correction and it starts with me, that's admitting I've failed. But what what that doesn't give you the freedom to do to say, I'm not going to follow. Well, then you got options. One of them is not going to be you doing what you want here. When we see in this story that Jacob, with all his past failures, recognized, no, God is with me. And he called me to go back to where I first met him. And he went back. He invited the others to go with him. These kids, were some of them grown already. They weren't little kids, but... They stayed together as a family. Let's go, let's go back. Let me re-erect a proper altar to the Lord. And, and this is going to be our starting point. And they were blessed. The family returned. Unscathed? Of course not. Even this morning, my wife and I were sitting on the porch having coffee and talking about all the different decisions that we made with our children and the position, the three of them are in, which is all three different positions, and wondering, like, what part of that was us and what part of that is them? It's both. God has a grace for that. But what we are called to do is to go back to that place where we should be and course correct from there. And it starts with, God, I need to petition you for strength, to to hold the standard. Nobody can pray for you. Oh, we can lay hands and pray over you. You got to do it. You have to recognize your relationship with God and the position that he has called you to. And then you need to bring your family back there with you. Your family may be resistant. I don't want to sit down and pray. Well, you're going to sit down and pray. It is for you to set what the standard is in your house. I don't care if your child is 30. If you're living in your house, somebody got to be there setting the standard. And that's, you know, like, hey, preacher, you saying that, you know, that's not all that easy. But we, we're, we're on it. A comm- we could be watching a wholesome show and some crazy commercial comes on. They already know the preacher going to have something to say. Y- y'all see what just happened there? X, y, uh, um, yeah, we, we, we know that. And you know, they're always multitasking. They're watching TV with you on their phones and doing something. But they, they're hearing. They, they're, it's registering. Even your kids, when they get to a rebellious stage, I have those two. You know, they say things like, doesn't your Bible say this, this, and it?" You know they've been catechized. You know. You know what it says. You can call it my Bible today, but the word is already in their heart and is doing the work that God is doing that I can't. I'm going to say this as we wrap up. You can come up, Pastor Angelo, on the worship team. the women. Work with your husbands as the head. Stop trying to reorder things and using his failures or weaknesses or shortcomings as an excuse for you to undermine what God has called him to do and who God has called him to be. The scripture tells us, for the woman is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. First Corinthians eleven three three says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. There is nothing demeaning about having headship. That is a lie from the pit of hell. These are the things that erode families so that the enemy can creep in. The husband is called to love his wife. The same way Christ loved the church, which means the willingness to give his life for her to live his life for her, to live his life for his children. But the order has to stay correct throughout your marriage. You know what you'd better be saying? Honey, this is about me and you, because we were here before these kids came along, and we'll be here when they're long gone. So if it's not about me and you, we already have a problem. That's why when people get to a place where it's like the kids are grown, why am I still sitting here looking at you? No good. You, it, it has to be ordered properly. Eve was given to Adam before Cain and Abel and Seth and anybody else came along. This is... Um, something that we have to consider. I I have sat at many a table and even heard women give other women advice, like um, make sure you have like a little secret nest egg just in case. Get your education. You don't need no man. that's worldly wisdom and it falls flat on his face. If you have daughters, you should be training your daughters up to be a wife if that's what God has for her. That does not mean don't go to school, don't be educated, and don't have goals in it. That's not what I'm talking about. But if She is to one day put herself in the position where a man is going to be her head. and she needs to be trained to be a wife in the same way sons need to be trained to be a husband. So one of the things that I've talked to my daughter about is, listen, when you get married, What you're doing is putting your life and future into the hands of a man. See, part of the problem is some of y'all pick wrong. Now you're there. Well, you know what you better do? You better help him become right. Those that aren't married, if you pick right from the beginning, if you have the right criteria going in and building him along the way with your family... So I've said to my daughter, listen to me, allow me this, whoever you have eyes for, let me have say so in it. Trust me enough that if I say that's not the right person for you, that you're going to at minimum consider it. Now, is that going to work? We know what happens when people fall in love, they lose their mind. But I bet you this, I have much of a better chance to speak into that situation than if I don't have these conversations now. My, I anticipate her allowing me that, and I'm building the type of relationship with her so she would trust me. It remains to be seen. I'll preach to you in a couple of years of how that turned out, maybe. But I could tell you this, it's my duty to do that. The standard that was set for our boys is the same standard that was set for our girl. That that doesn't change. And letting them know, sometimes I have to accept things that you do, don't think I'm condoning it. And I'm going to always have something to say. So maybe you are here and you feel like, I'm doing okay, but there's areas of improvement. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, as you've saw in Jacob's life, I got to go back to Bethel. I-, I-, I need a course correction. I don't care if your kids are grown and out of your house, whether they speak to you or not. There's always something you can do. It starts with praying for them. That's going to be the first bridge to build back relationship your children still need you I don't care if they're 50 years old you still need to be able to speak into their lives to have words of wisdom to be living a godly life as an example so if your kid is 6 or 66 This is for you. If you don't have children and don't want children, you should be speaking into other people's lives because you have a family right here. If you're anticipating one day to have children, you're in a good spot because you need to hear and consider this this stuff before you're in this situation. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And I want men that are bold enough to just come to the altar and just say, God, I need your help. Whether it's course correction, whether it's I'm going into a new situation where I'm about to have my own child, whether it's I feel like I've blown it and I need you to do things that I cannot do. Let's come and petition the Lord and start walking back to Bethel and asking God, would you come into my situation? And the women here, I've asked you to pray. I ask you to consider your roles in the lives of these men, whether it be your husband, whether it be your brother, whether it be your brother in Christ, whether it be your child. This message is for you as well, because we need God, but we also need the women in our lives to show grace and mercy, to support us, to help us, to come alongside, to be the helpmate that they've called to be. So while Pastor Angelo sings this song, let's just spend some time before the Lord and then we'll close out in prayer.